The Night Owl Podcast, Episode 13, A Haunting on Main Street, Part 1. If you're new to the show, a quick note. This podcast is best devoured in chronological order, so if this is the first episode you're trying out, stop. Go back, start with Season 1 and our very first episode, Ink, Coffee, and Spirits. Well, Night Owls, we're back, even though there was no real break for us, actually. I mean, how could we take a hiatus during October, honestly? If there's any month for ghost stories, this is it. So I'm here and excited to kick off Season 2 tonight with Episode 13, just two nights before Halloween. But before we jump in, I wanted to make a couple of quick announcements. First up, we have one last event lined up before October comes to an end. On Halloween night, Join me for a night of ghost stories at the State Theater in Austin, Texas. The wonderful folks at the Austin Film Festival have asked yours truly to present some live ghost stories told on stage, followed by a retrospective horror film screening. And the film we've chosen is the original Amityville Horror. I'm so excited to see this on the big screen, preceded by some eerie true tales on stage. So mark your calendars and get out there for this last fall event on Halloween night. For more details and ticket information, visit our homepage at thenightowlpodcast.com. Announcement number two, this new season we will be releasing two episodes a month. Our plan is to release a campfire episode on the second Monday of every month and our regular investigative episodes on their regular schedule, which is on the last Monday of every month. So I hope you enjoy this new extra dose of ghost stories this season. Also, we have great news. We have been able to gain sponsors for most, if not all, of Season 2. What this means is that episodes will now have ads. But the great news is, is that these partners are truly fantastic. They have great products or venues, and their sponsorship is really going to help our show continue to grow and improve. Lastly, a big thank you to all you listeners out there. Our first season was truly an amazing journey, and it wasn't just the haunted places and creepy encounters that we had that made it so special. A big part of that was you. Whether you listen and tell your friends about the show, leave comments on social media encouraging me and my team, write us a wonderful review on Apple Podcasts, support us on Patreon, buy some of our merch on our Night Out online store, or attend one of our live events, you've all had a hand in the success of this show. Now, with Season 2, I hope you all continue this and help the show grow even more. So if you really love the show, please consider supporting us by visiting our online store and grabbing some of our really cool merch. We have tees, tanks, enamel pins, and glow-in-the-dark stickers. Not only does your purchase go straight to helping us fund the show, you can wear or display our merch proudly, showing everyone what podcast you love listening to. And if you want to take a step further, you can become a Night Owl patron and support us through a dedicated monthly contribution on Patreon. With your contributions, which start as low as $1 a month, you can gain exclusive access to extras from the show. The first season, I've given patrons access to video walkthroughs of the locations, candid video diaries behind episodes, deleted scenes and audio segments from cases, and location updates and follow-ups. Now, with Season 2, I plan to take our Patreon page to the next level, incorporating live chats, post-episode discussions with Sarah, myself, and my team, and even have private interviews with Sarah discussing her gift and answering questions that listeners submit. So visit patreon.com slash thenightoutpodcast, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com, and consider supporting our show by becoming a Night Owl patron today. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you, right here. If you have a story to tell, please send an email to thenightowlpodcast at gmail.com. For our first episode of Season 2, I'm taking us on a small road trip just 20 miles south of Austin to the town of Buda, where an antique shop occupying a historic three-story building on Main Street is reporting countless experiences they cannot explain. Join me and my team as we dive deep into yet another fascinating case where countless eyewitnesses report strange happenings in this unassuming small-town shop in downtown Buda. Voices coming from a downstairs booth that was once an apartment. An uneasy feeling regularly reported by patrons on the second floor. Smells appearing and then disappearing throughout the building. Objects relocating and in some cases even being thrown. And even sightings of a full-bodied apparition on surveillance cameras and in the windows at night. Old Town Buda Antique Mall is a place chock full of history 
in its very own haunts. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop. When you need custom t-shirts, this shop's got your back. At Oh Boy, they've made customer satisfaction and quality their top priorities. Their aim is to supply you with quality products that meet your every need. Specializing in custom screen printing for organizations, clothing companies, schools, businesses, and even events. Big or small, Oh Boy is here to help. Crisp, clean t-shirt printing without setup fees or hidden costs, and always delivered on time. Ohboyprintshop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y, printshop.com. And mention the Night Owl Podcast and get 5% off your first order. This episode is also brought to you by the Spider House Cafe. An Austin staple founded in 1995, the Spider House offers an array of specialty coffee and cocktail drinks, craft beer, and foods. The ballroom is host to events seven nights a week, and as you should know from season one, this coffee house and its grounds are swimming with paranormal activity. But what you might not know is that the Spider House has crafted a very special haunted drink offering in honor of the Night Owl podcast. Espresso, sweetened condensed milk, and a hefty shot of bourbon, all poured over a tall glass of ice. So come visit this haunted coffee shop, and be sure to grab a haunted drink while you're at it. Ask for the Night Owl at the bar, because just like the Spider House, it has spirits in it. Just a short 15-minute drive south from my house in Austin, I discovered a town that I've grown fond of these last few months. Maybe it's because it reminds me of my childhood, growing up in a small South Texas town where I was surrounded by towns like Buda, quaint and cute with local shops, restaurants, and people living the simple life. My wife and I are fond of road trips, and with the show, I hadn't had much time for them. But in June, we carved out some time to get away and visit this small town we'd heard was starting to develop into a fun destination trip for Austinites. The town is indeed small. It has one single walkable main street that I guess you can call their downtown that's lined with historic buildings and the new businesses that occupy them now. Only on one side, however. The other side of the street has train tracks that run parallel with the many shops that stretch for several blocks down Main Street. Buda, however, wasn't the original name for this town. It was Dupre in its early years, dating back to 1881, but soon changed to Buda in 1887 because the town discovered there was already another town in Texas by the name of Dupre. If it weren't for the International and Great Northern Railroad and the decision to make a depot in this town, Buda just may have fallen victim to economic struggles of the Great Depression and may have faded away with little knowing of its existence. But with the railroad and depot, Buda prospered. One of the most popular stops where travelers stopped and dined was the Carrington Hotel, which still stands today on Main Street. During that time, the cooks at the Carrington were said to have been widows, so the place was deemed Widow House, or in Spanish, Viuda House. It's from this Spanish word for widow that the town believes its name came from. The mispronunciation of Viuda became Buda, and so the town supposedly adopted it. So as my wife and I walked up Main Street, we witnessed the train go by. We grabbed coffee at a local coffee house, popped into a unique travel trailer hiking shop, grabbed some amazing pizza at Main Street Pizza, and then picked up some cigars at one of the best cigar shops I've ever been to, the Cigar Vault. This little cigar shop is actually housed in the old Buda Bank, and the humidor is actually the bank vault. But sandwiched between Main Street Pizza and this cigar vault stood the tallest building on Main Street. It was three stories tall and made of red clay brick. The wooden sign hanging off the building's awning read, Old Town Buda Antique Mall. My wife and I have always loved thrift and antique shopping, so we decided to hop in. I didn't know it at the time, but this building was originally built in 1915 and has quite a history. It was a movie house by the name of Lyric Theater that played silent movies on Fridays and Saturdays with a live pianist. It was also a cafe with a hat shop in the rear of the building. It even served as the town's post office until it was eventually converted to apartments in the 50s. And due to its three stories, the building was comically referred to as the Buda Skyscraper by many townsfolk. Today, it's an antique shop, filled with relics from the past that run the entire length of the first and second floors of the building. My wife and I enjoyed navigating the first floor shopping, but when we both decided to make our way upstairs, a voice from behind the counter called out to us, giving us a playful warning. Watch out for the ghosts when you go upstairs. 
It appeared even when I was trying not to hunt ghosts, I seemed to find them. Don't worry, I didn't interrupt the day off with my wife just then, but I was able to grab some information from the lady working behind the counter that day. She briefly told me about the patrons all reporting an uneasing feeling on the second floor and how the owner of the shop, Jeff, had even brought in a couple paranormal teams to investigate the building in years past. So I jotted down some contact info and knew that I'd probably be traveling back to Buda sometime soon. And in early September, I did. And this time, I had my microphone. My name's Jeff Brown. I acquired the uh, Old Town Beat Antique Mall in 2012, in December. And I kind of, um, at that point, didn't believe in any supernatural phenomenon or anything like that. One night I uh, locked up. It was just me. I had no employees yet. And there was a vanity that was in the front room had a mirror. I didn't attach the mirror. I just leaned it up against the wall and there was several crystal vases in front of it. And I locked up. Next day I opened um, and the mirror was leaning against the vanity on the floor up against the wall. All of the crystal vases that were on the vanity were untouched in their exact position. I knew there was something or I was crazy. One or the other. So I let that go. I didn't tell anybody. And then we had a wardrobe arrive. The latch worked on the door, but no matter how many times we latched it, uh, it kept coming open. We were baffled by it, so we just kind of started noticing some, some really weird things about the store. And then Jeannie came to work for me, and... She asked me one day, when you're here, you're here by yourself, do you ever see things out of the corner of your eye or think you hear things? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And she said, well, I didn't want to say anything about it, but um, I see stuff here all the time. My name is Jeannie. I've worked at Old Town Beauty Antique Mall for almost six years. Jeff Brown has been the owner In December, it will be six years, and I started working for him um, the January after he bought it. So I've been there almost the entire time. Shortly after I started working there, we had a young man that was helping us with our work there at Old Town Beauty Antique Mall. And Jeff and I were upstairs, and we were just talking in one of the upstairs rooms. And all of a sudden, there's a picture that flies off, not just a small painting or something. It was a good size, probably at least 24 inches long. It was a heavy oil painting. Flew out into the middle of the room. It didn't fall straight down. It didn't fall off the wall. It flew probably a good six feet into the middle of the room. And it didn't just like slide off the wall like a, a nail had, had broken out in the sheetrock or something. It flew off the wall. It wasn't at us. It was just kind of, you know, like I said, midway, about 15 feet from us. That scared me. I immediately ran downstairs. Jeff followed not too far after me. And I just was looking at Jeff and said, what was that? You know, I was very, very confused. And Jeff said, well, (laughs) I don't know. And, you know, we kind of just went on. I was pretty shaken now. That was the first thing that happened. Then a little bit later on, I would say probably a month or two later, you know, we, we get several different items in the shop almost daily. And I happen to bring in a little baby doll. I have a soft spot for, for broken type dolls, you know, that have seen better days. And I had ordered this little doll um, off eBay. And um, she didn't have any arms, and she had been broken at her waist. She was a little composite doll, probably from the 40s. Um, so I put her up in my section to sell. It was upstairs. And I had her propped up. Um, in the corner of a bookshelf. And each morning when I would come in and I would turn all the lights on, I usually start in the the bottom sections and work my way up upstairs. Um, I would come in and she would be laying down with her back facing out where she was looking towards the wall of the bookshelf. And I was thinking, oh, that's interesting. And this kept happening. And so I, uh, Steve and uh, Jeff, we're almost like a brother relationship, always 
teacher was teasing and playing jokes with me and stuff, and I, I kept asking them, are you messing with me with this doll? And they assured me that they were not. They said, no, I'm not messing with you. It kept happening and kept happening. And then a few days later, Jeff brought this tiny little baby doll. Um, it was about two inches long, a little porcelain doll. And for some reason, I gifted it to the composite doll that kept turning. I thought, well, maybe she's lonely, you know, um, because I, I had mentioned this um, to another customer that had come in, and, and she said, oh, well, you know, maybe there's a little girl attached to that doll. And, and I was thinking, oh, maybe. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I quite believe that or not. But, but the more this happens, the more I was thinking, well, I want to cover my bases. A few weeks passed, and someone wanted to come in and purchase the little baby doll, the two-inch porcelain doll. And I said, well, the only way that they can purchase that is if the doll goes with her. I didn't want any bad, bad juju around, you know, bad, bad mojo around or something, around anything that I might have done. So um, I said yes, that they could purchase that, but it was my gift to give her the baby doll. So I don't know if there was some energy attached to that little doll, and she kept um, moving. I, I don't know what it was, but I honestly do not believe that Jeff or Steve had anything to do with moving her because she would be moved on days that I knew that they were not there. Like Jeff was out of town and Steve didn't come in to work. The store kind of had a weird vibe at the time because when I got it, it also had things like a an electroshock therapy box from the 1920s that worked. It had a 1920s Victorian birthing table complete with cast iron stirrups. You know, who knows the history that was attached to that. Also, we had we had a, a brass decorative hearth that would go around an old fireplace. It was for sale, and it was a very, very heavy brass piece, very heavy. We would prop it up against a metal pillar that is there in the shop because it was very sturdy, the metal pillar, obviously, and it had to be propped in a certain way for it not to fall over. So we would prop it up against there, you know, if anyone wanted to look at it, obviously we would pull it out to have them look at it. But below it, near near the metal pillar, was a table with a glass top. And on that, we had several vases, crystal vases, as well as some porcelain displayed. Two or three days in a row, I would come in, and this metal brass decorative hearth would be laying on the floor, perfectly lined up, and nothing was broken, which I honestly don't know how that could have possibly happened if it had just fallen without at least knocking something over. This kept happening and kept happening. Finally, the piece sold, so I don't know if perhaps someone, something was moving it in the night. I found that interesting that nothing had broken. When we first started at the shop there, quite often there would be vases, the bottles lined up on the threshold. I'm not sure why they were perfectly lined up on the thresholds where you would transition from one room to the next. It was just bottles lined up. There'd be like crystal vases sitting directly in the doorway. You could measure it. It was exactly in the center of the doorway on the floor. I did have an experience also where I had a shaving stand. It was an old wooden shaving stand that we had had in the shop for I don't know, two or three years, I guess. It had been broken. The top would not stay on correctly. And I had come in, turned everything on. I was walking up the stairs. And if you've been in the shop, you know that we have the old wooden stairs leading up. And in the middle of each step, there is a yellow strip of paint so that you see the transition of each step. But perfectly lined up with this was the shading stand at the very top of the stairs. When I got to it, the first thing that I thought of was, well, I guess Jeff left us here for me to take downstairs. So I didn't really think anything of it. I turned all the lights on and I just moved the shaving stand out of the way so no one would obviously trip over. Then I ended up calling Jeff because I said, why did you leave that there for me to bring downstairs or did you want me to just move it somewhere? And when I spoke with him, he said, what are you talking about? I didn't move the shading stand. I don't know what you're talking about. 
that really spooked me. So I moved it in the exact spot that it was, and I took a picture because he wanted me to take a picture of it. I took a picture of it, you know, perfectly lined up. He said, no, I absolutely did not leave that there. And I said, was anyone else here? And he said, no, I locked up, and you're the first one in the shop, you know, to open up the door. Just really weird stuff like that. And it was kind of like someone was saying, hey, I'm here. Jeff had mentioned to me that, that he had gone over to the cigar vault, and he had a weird look on his face. I was closing. I came up here. I turned off all the lights. Last thing I do is I walk across, I set the alarm, and I go out the side door, and I have to cross right by the stairwell. And I look upstairs, and every single light is on. So I walk back up here, I turn off all the lights again, I walk downstairs, and I stopped in at the cigar vault. And I was just kind of in amazement and they said, are you okay? And I said, well, I just turned off all the lights upstairs and they were back on right before I left. And they started laughing and I, I was like, no, really. And they said, we're not laughing because we don't believe you. We were laughing because we sat on the patio and watched the upstairs lights go on, on and off before. So they've had their own encounters over there um, witnessing stuff that has gone on here. Uh, yeah, my name's Brian. I'm the general manager here at the Cigar Vault in Buda, Texas, on Main Street, next to the Antique Mall. We're located in a uh, building that was built in the late 1890s, early 1900s. Um, it was the original bank for Buda, and we're situated right now in the vault. This is the original safe, original shelving, and safety deposit boxes. The building has uh, got a lot of character. The energy is great. The first time I walked in here, I was like, wow, this is really cool. I don't know if I won't say there's a presence here. We've had some time now under our belt where there's been some odd things, but I'm not, I don't know. I and mean, I come from having um, a willingness to believe in just about anything. So, <laughs> But overall, um, it, it's a great building, a lot of history. Of course, we sell cigars, so we have a lot of money in here now, but it's in the shape of cigars instead of cash. In regards to the building next door, so I've lived in Buda since 1991. I've been in that building quite a few times, and I've experienced a couple things, and I've seen a couple things. So the one thing that I remember, and this was a few years ago, is being upstairs on the second floor, feeling as though I was being watched. If you know that feeling, just every once in a while you'll get something like, someone's watching me, you know, what, what's going on? And of course, you look around a little bit. I was the only one up there. Um... And I continued to look around and just still had this feeling of a, a presence of something and didn't think too much about it. Fast forward to about a month and a half after we opened and um, with the, the antique store, what's nice about it is the husbands come here to smoke a cigar while the wives and the friends will go shopping. That sounds a little sexist, but um, it just happens more often than not. <laughs> and anyway, so this lady came in and... Um, sat down at the bar and she said hey um she says what do you know about the building next door i said well why are you asking she goes well i was upstairs and I, she goes i just want to know is there something going on like haunted or whatever i'm not that kind of person i said well i said why don't you just tell me what happened and then you know i said i don't think you're crazy but just you know i want to hear your side first and so she said she was up there with her daughter and they were on the second floor as well and while they were walking around the mother felt like someone was watching her and she says it was the weirdest thing. And she says, it's me and my daughter up there. And I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I'm normally not this kind of person to believe in these things, but someone was watching me. And she felt though as though she couldn't talk to her daughter about it. She's like, I don't want her, my daughter to think I'm crazy. So they went downstairs. They looked at some more stuff. They, they purchased their, their items and they walked out the door. And they took a couple steps out and the daughter stopped the mom and said, Mom, did it feel like someone was watching us while we were up on the second floor? <laughs> and I went, yes, I know what you mean. I said, that exact same thing happened to me. So I said, no, you're not crazy. Um, I believe that's a real thing. And um, I, we're not the only ones. So there's a history there. So when we first opened, I was working a majority of the hours, you know, open to close. And um, we didn't have our dumpster yet. So I would walk trash across the street put it in the dumpster across the street it was a, it was real quiet night it was end of april of 2017 and as i was walking across the street it was very peaceful i was like man this is really nice 
And for whatever reason, I, I turned around to look, and I think it was because I was kind of soaking in, man, I've got this new job, um, I fell into this, I mean, look where I'm standing right now, and I, I look at the cigar vault, and as I look, I look up at the second floor of the antique store, and it looked like someone was standing in the window, but it kept, my mind was telling me, well, that's like a coat hanging up on a coat rack. Or a, a stand-up coat rack, right? And so I and I kept looking at it. And I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. I'm like, man, the, the the color and the contrast was different than the back wall and the lighting in general. It had, you know, the lighting in general was kind of like this soft yellow with, you know, grayish hues. And I thought, well, it's it's something, coat, whatever. So I put the trash in. Um, I look at the train tracks because I'm fascinated by the train tracks, and I always like the trains to come by. Turn back around and look at the exact same spot, and I can see the wall in all four corners of the window. Whereas before, it was just about uh, maybe two-thirds, with a third of that looking like something. Um, so what happened? What did I see? I, I don't know. I saw something that was there that when I turned back around, it wasn't there. Um, and I didn't feel threatened. It didn't feel unsafe. Um, uh, it almost had like a longing feeling, like almost like a little kid wants to go outside and play can't because they're sick <laughs> um but uh yeah and so i just sat there and uh kind of pondered that you know and thought that that's interesting <laughs> what it was i don't know so we had some nights second floor on the side here there's two or three windows um on occasion i've seen lights go on which isn't too uncommon but they're closed um this was at about uh, 11, 11.30 at night when we were closing. Um, and the first time I, I noticed that, I was working alone again. And that kind of gave me a little bit of the chills because I was like, how did that light turn on? And it wasn't a light as though, like we're standing here right now and, and it's obvious the lights are on. It was just a light source of something. Almost like uh, you're at the end of a hallway and someone opened or has a, a partially open door and you can see the light coming out. It was kind of like that. Um, and then it wasn't there. So I've seen that a few times. And I've heard some of our customers also as well. Hey, what's going on up there? This, there's this light. And that's usually in the, the 9, 10, 11 p.m. range here. So. so far, this little antique shop my wife and I had decided to casually take a stroll through this evening in June ended up being a pretty interesting case. And as the lady at the counter had yelled out that warning about the second floor to us, I had no idea of all the experiences and stories that would come to the surface upon investigating this place. When we come back from this short break, we'll hear from actual customers who've had personal experiences in the shop, and I'll also reveal to you what Jeff learned after having two different paranormal investigation teams visit his store. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by the Spider House Cafe and Ballroom. If you've listened to the show, you probably already know that this unique Austin coffee house is rich with stories of the supernatural. So it should go without saying, I'm ecstatic to have them as one of our sponsors this year. Since 1995, the Spider House has been serving an assortment of specialty coffee drinks and cocktails, fine crafted beer, and delicious food and snacks. It has a carnivalesque patio decorated with Christmas lights, junkyard grabs, and thrift store finds, which harbors a variety of food trucks and one very haunted tattoo shop as most of you should know from season one of the show. Around the corner, the Spider House Ballroom hosts events seven nights a week, ranging from slam poetry and independent film screenings to live music and storytelling events. I'm so excited to have this magical coffee house as a sponsor, and even more excited that the Spider House has created a very special night out drink for us. Four shots of espresso, sweetened condensed milk, and a hefty shot of bourbon poured over a tall glass of ice. This haunted drink is sure to lift your spirits. So if you're in Austin or traveling from out of town, get on over to the Spider House, order a night owl, soak in all this magnificent space has to offer, and just maybe you'll catch a glimpse of the many spirits that haunt the Spider House grounds. This episode is also brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop. If you're looking for a custom t-shirt print shop, local to Austin or to deliver wherever you are, Oh Boy Print Shop is the place to go. I personally shopped around to find the best place to go to with our Night Owl podcast t-shirt needs, and hands down, this local, family-owned print shop is the best. Jim, co-owner of the shop, was the first person I met when I walked in to check out the place, and he made my visit such a welcoming and pleasant experience. 
At Oboy, customer satisfaction is their top priority, and it shows in every aspect of their work, not just their friendly staff. The quality of their work and craftsmanship is superior as well. I took a tour of their facility and learned pretty quickly that quality matters here. There were no setup fees, no hidden costs, and the prices were some of the most affordable in town. I love that I found my go-to print shop, and I hope that you reach out to them for your print needs as well. Check out oboyprintshop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y printshop.com. And mention the Night Owl Podcast to get 5% off your first order. So I had a group come in. And I discovered them by this lady walked up to me and said, you know you have spirits here, right? And I told her, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know that. And she said, "Um, well, I'm actually with a group. So they came and and stayed up here. During that time, they did get some names that came across their ghost box. One was named uh, Judith. The other one was named Nathan. Uh, Judith and Nathan are brother and sister, and they got a little black cat, I'm told, um, and that was also on their ghost box, and they got a little girl. And it turned out that the little girl was attached to the armoire, the wardrobe, and she was the one that kept opening and closing the door. When the wardrobe sold, I did disclose that she was attached to it, and she left with the wardrobe. And the people that purchased the wardrobe told me that she now resides with them. That same night, I saw a chair move across the floor about two feet. It was just full of activity. I was just stunned because I'd never been here that late in the shop before. I've had several people that have come in and said, I cannot stay in here because I'm just, I'm too sensitive to people that have passed on and it's overwhelming. It makes me sick. We've had a customer, which was our first customer interaction, where Ron, who is a regular customer, was walking through the store, got right around the checkout area, and his hat just, you could tell it didn't fall off. It it was like it just um, jumped off of his head. My name is Ron. I'm from San Marcos. I work at Cabela's as the uh, acting facilities lead. I come in on Saturdays just to you know help out a little bit, find antique tools. And one particular day, I'm talking to Danny and Joanne downstairs. I, I was wearing a hat at one time, it was an American hat with a freedom on it. I readjusted, as I turned, I felt some a distinct contact, like somebody tapped the back of my head. I have to move forward, I grab it. I thought I'd hit something hanging down. So I just put the hat back on, look up, there's nothing there. Okay, I hit something behind me. So I turn around, nothing there. That's when I realized what had happened. I started laughing to myself, and of course, Danny and Joanna were saying, What? And as I looked at the customers, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't know how they'd react. After they left, then Danny said, well, What happened? So I told them. And they told me, You got to tell Jeff. That's when I found that the, 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 uh, the spirit downstairs, her name was Judith. And the only thing I could figure out was that because in their day, when a man entered the building, he took his hat off. So she's probably just telling me, hey, boy, get your hat off. Another common report at the antique shop were cold spots felt by many of the patrons and employees that work there. February or March, we shut everything down here. And Joanna was coming around the counter. She said, I feel something cold. And after maybe two seconds, my whole left arm went frozen. I mean, it was cold. That's about what I've experienced with so far, but yet we have heard customers saying something pinched me or something, I felt something, or I felt a presence. But to my knowledge, there is more than one spirit in this building, several. In the five and a half, almost six years that I've been there, you know, during sweeping or something like that, there's been times where, you know, it, I'll be sweeping and then all of a sudden I'll have a cold spell where I just feel cold chills all over my arm and then... Just a couple of seconds later, it, it will go away. I've had different people mention the same thing to me. So I, I don't know if that's perhaps someone, a spirit coming by, or I, I don't really know much about this, but all I know is the feelings that I've had around there. I don't feel anything malicious or um, evil. I, I feel it's kind of like grandma and grandpa kind of watching over in a way. 
So there was another um, experience where I have an alarm on the building and I do have some cameras in here and it's set up through my cell phone through alarm.com and I got a pop-up one night on my phone and it will text me every now and then or it will send me an email. So I got an email. I peeked in because I can push a button and take a picture in the store. And I saw what appeared to be a person, but it was a missed figure. It was definitely in the shape of a human being. And it was right in front of the cash register. Same place that Ron's hat got knocked off and the cold spot was felt. I looked at it, and the more I looked at it, the more I was certain it was a a person. You could actually see it. It was kind of shocking a little bit, but it was um, just before the first paranormal group came. And they actually got a picture of a ghost sphere, one of the the balls of light up by the second story window here. And uh, that just kind of was more confirmation for me after the fact, because... I didn't need for them to prove to me that something was here. I already knew it. Even being a non-believer, I knew it. I just didn't want to admit it. At this time, I wanted to ask Jeff about the second floor and the common reports of people feeling uneasy up there. Uh, We've had people constantly tell us they feel like they're being watched up here. Uh, Again, they don't feel threatened, but they just feel like they're not alone when they come up here. And as you heard earlier, my wife and I were warned casually about the spirits on the second floor when we were there just visiting. And as I began to gather information from Jeff, his employees, and other patrons of the store, I was hearing that this was a common report for many people. Feeling uneasy on that second floor and a shocking amount of reports of people saying that they felt that they were being watched. Interestingly enough, one of my colleagues at work said that her husband had something that they wanted to share with me at the antique shop. He'd had no knowledge of the reports in the store yet but reported that he had a small experience he thought may or may not be helpful in my investigation. Listen to what he shared with me. Tell me your name and then... Uh, my name is uh, Jarrell. I was uh, walking up there looking at the uh, all the antiques and stuff, and we saw... I just felt it was like heavy. Couldn't breathe. Kind of had to... Uh, I think we had to step out. Yeah, I could feel it for sure. Something up there like... Uh, it was just like a, like a presence. But nothing ever violent. Um, You know, I've had another person come in that said she's very sensitive and she does cleansings. And I I told her, you know, this place is just as much theirs as it is mine. And if they ever push me down the stairs, I'll call you. But till then, they they can be here. I leave the radio on for them. I tell them goodbye, see you tomorrow and have a good night and uh, that's kind of the whole gist of the feel of this place and the things that go on but the first paranormal group that came in did come back three years later um, which was about a year ago maybe less and they stayed again and we kept getting rose perfume and it would follow us all over the building So they were using a crystal pendulum, and um, that was obviously Judith, and we still get that. I mean, it was—it's a very strong, sweet rose water perfume smell. It dissipates just as quick as it goes, and it follows you around wherever you are in the store. And I think Judith is kind of a guide here, a protector, and this is her space. I did not know what she was attached to but because she's been here for so long, but every now and then a piece will come in that I really, really love. And it can be just some stupid little quirky thing or it can be something, you know, of great value. It doesn't matter to me if it hits me, it hits me. So there was a little sewing box that was actually a tin that someone kept their sewing pieces in. And it had embroidered little, probably four inches by two inch little embroidery patches in it. And it was the name of family members. 
things like that kind of tug at my heart, so I decided I would not sell that. And I buried it back in storage, and it's been here ever since the building's been here. And the guide that had the crystal pendulum asked what she was attached to um, and why she was here. And she got back that she was attached to a sewing tin, and it had the names of her family in it, and it was it was almost like her prized possession in life because she spent her nights doing all that. There is absolutely no way she could have seen it, known about it, and that was the extreme confirmation for me. And I've never felt scared or threatened in here, which is the weird part, because normally I can't even walk through a haunted house at Halloween. I'm pretty much a wimp when it comes to that stuff, but here I've never felt threatened or like there was something violent in in the building. When they did come back the second time, we were all downstairs, and we were nearing the end of the investigation, and there was this huge crash. I mean, it sounded like someone was coming through the floor. And I have these great big cast iron bent rod shelving units. It sounded like one of those had tipped over with everything on top of it. And we all ran up here, and there was nothing out of place. Not one single thing. We've just, you know, had several encounters like that. I've had another paranormal group that came in also, um, and they got several names. Uh, On their white noise box, they got a bunch of German-speaking conversations, and it was very puzzling. I know this was an immigrant town with a lot of Germans when the railroad was going through, and they, they did help build that. And come to find out, the next day, um, they were doing some renovations in the back here on the second floor. They were renovating the storage room into an office for the pizza place next door. It was about probably a year ago. They found a box, and they didn't know what was in the box, and they brought it to me because it was full of old documents and papers and books. Well, in the box, it was full of German journals, which kind of maybe partially explained some of the German that they got all through the box. Even today when I come in, I turn all the lights on, as I stated, at the bottom, and then I work my way up to the top. And quite often near the keypad to turn the alarm system off, there's a spot there that I always smell a rose perfume. It's um, a very pleasant smell. It's not overwhelming. I'm just a soft rose smell perfume. Now, granted, I was telling someone else about that, and they said, well, you have perfume near the, near the cash register. Yes, we do. We have perfume, but it is old perfume. And I don't know if you've ever smelled old perfume, but it's, it's a musk where it's, it's very old, very, very strong. This has nothing at all like that smell. Um, it's a very pleasant smell. And someone had said, well, maybe maybe someone's around that area. I don't know, but I smell it quite often. And it's only in that area that I smell it. You know, they smell the perfume, and that's one thing that they validate, that, that they get this whiff of perfume. And I ask them if it smells like roses, and they say, that's exactly what I smell. So they tell me that, and I just tell them that's Judith. She's a protector guide kind of in here. Um, There's not any violent spirits I know of in here. Um, Nathan's her brother. He is here only because she is here. But he, he will make himself known every now and then. Nathan has made himself known by a recording. They caught him saying his name on the tape recorder. Sort of makes himself known at that old bathroom area up front by the stairs. Judith normally hangs out back here in the back room and also downstairs in front of the register sometimes. Because I do believe that there are energies attached to objects, whether they're good or bad. Um, you know, I, I do believe that, um, you know, you just get a feeling at different times. But I had a vendor come in and she said, you know, I, I have to watch what I bring in my house. She said, I need to do a smudging or something. Um, And I just kind of looked at her. I said, what's wrong? She said, I bought this little 
um, picture. It was a very, very old, and it was in a tin picture frame. When I actually saw the picture, I noticed that it would have had another side to it. And quite often it would be a husband on the left and a wife on the right-hand side. But the husband's picture portion was missing. And she said, I brought this into my house, and now weird things are happening. And I just kind of looked at her. I said, what's going on? And she said, I'm not going to talk about it because it really weirds me out. But I just need to get this picture out of my house, and I really need to watch what I bring to my house. I said, are you okay? She said, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I just need to just need to have a smudging or do something. She was kind of weirded out, and I was like, okay. <laughs> but she brought it in, and it's in her booth. But I didn't feel any negativity or anything around it, and I have no idea what's been going on at her place. But it was enough to really scare her to where she felt that she needed to have someone come out or she needed to intervene, you know, to kind of clear the, the energy around her, her home. Uh, the little girl is gone, like, like I was saying. She, she left with the wardrobe, and I come to find out that uh, the wardrobe actually had a story to it. The little girl used to hide in there. That was her safe place. I found out about the family that owned it, and the little girl did pass away. So she, uh, she just kind of stuck with the wardrobe because that was her safe place um, to hide. And we just constantly feel like we're not alone here. As far as I know, um, from what the other investigators have caught, there's at least six spirits I know of and a cat here, from what I've been told. Now, I've only dealt with Judith and Nathan, some of the German voices, and the little girl, definitely. Um, I've heard her singing before. And I'm glad that she's safe and she's in a safe environment I know but you know as long as they're here I'm fine with them being here as long as they cause no problems you know I look at it as they own this place just as much as I do this space if other people you know have encounters here or or experiences I think that it's probably a little bit of an eye-opener because it certainly was for me because I i am a true believer now from everything that I've seen. Um, the chair moving across the floor, the validation of the sewing box, it just can't be rationally explained any other way. And the first paranormal group that came told me that they had a friend that actually had the grocery store, which is now Brooklyn's restaurant down at the other end of the street. And it was supposed to be one of the most haunted places in Buda. And they actually went down there and they said that my place was full of much more activity than theirs. So it was just kind of weird because over the whole time span of this being here, I don't think anyone ever took the time to be sensitive to it or know that there was something here. But for whatever reason, I'd like to think that maybe they chose me because they knew that I'd... When I got the building, I, I really respect history, so I, as I was renovating the building with some improvements, I tried to keep as much of the old feel to the place as I could. And I respected it and just kind of treated it like my baby. And I think they felt that. In fact, one of the questions they asked that night was, do you, do you like Jeff being here? Do you like everything he's doing? And they, they actually got back an answer yes on the recorder. I always, when I come up here, I always have the hairs on my arms raise up um, as I'm leaving, and I always say, I'll see you tomorrow. Have a good night. And I leave the radio on. With so many stories and experiences at Old Town Buda Antique Mall, I wondered if Jeff would mind if I came back, this time with my team and Sarah, just to see what we could find. I wasn't sure if this place had spirits tied to the building, or if everything here might in fact just be tied to objects that are coming and going on a regular basis. But Jeff said we were welcome, so I went ahead and reached out to Sarah. Hello? Hey. I got us another case, another one outside of Austin. Are you down? You know the trip? Outside of Austin? Uh, yeah, I'm down. Okay. 
My team and I will return to Buda to investigate the claims at Old Town Buda Antique Mall in episode 14, which releases on November 26th. My team and I have some of our very own experiences. Sarah once again surprises us with her ability, and I reach out to the past paranormal teams that investigated this antique shop to gather their stories and evidence in the hopes that I can shed more light on the strangeness that seems to exude from this antique store on Main Street in Buda, Texas. But while you wait for that episode, we'll have our very first campfire episode of the season releasing on November 12th. So be sure to tune in then to hear what ghost stories we've collected for your listening pleasure. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Season 2, Episode 13. And I'd like to thank my team, Sarah, Alexis, and Franklin for going on these crazy adventures with me, Nicholas Fair and Petey Wilder for your talented musical contributions to the show, and my very supportive wife, Tao, for sticking with me all these late nights and long hours, and for taking amazing photographs on every case. And last but not least, David Dalton of Driftwork Sound for mastering every single episode on the tight turnarounds I give him. Please support their works by visiting our website, thenightowlpodcast.com, and clicking on the About tab. There you can find links to all their individual works and websites. Also, don't forget our last live event in October. Partnered with Austin Film Festival, we're going to have a night of ghost stories at the State Theater on Halloween night at 9 p.m. For more information and tickets, go to the Night Out Podcast homepage at thenightoutpodcast.com. And to help keep this show going and my team and I fed and caffeinated, please support us for as little as a dollar a month on our Patreon page. This contribution not only helps me keep the show alive, you gain access to a ton of cool behind-the-scenes stuff. So please visit patreon.com backslash the Night Owl podcast and become a Night Owl patron today. And a special thanks to this episode's sponsors, the Spider House Cafe and Oh Boy Print Shop. Be sure to stop by the Spider House and try the new Night Owl drink. And don't forget, if you need t-shirt printing, you can feel at ease in the hands of Oh Boy Print Shop. Be sure to mention the Night Owl podcast and get 5% off your first order. Thank you all, and stay restless out there. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Driftwork Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcasts or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free.